Yes, hello, Tyler S. O'Reilly here. Before we start, just wanted to remind everyone of Bazaar Plus, our membership program where you can get extra episodes every week. Just simply go to the link in the show notes. It's Sports Bazaar. There's a lot to like in this story. It's getting more ridiculous as it goes on. The hunt for the weirdest. What are you talking about? Are you serious? What? So many questions. Okay, I'm going to have to stop you here. <laughs> Strangers. This is a masterpiece of stupidity. It's going to get stranger and stranger. I'm quite exhausted. Most unbelievable. If you wrote this as a movie, people wouldn't believe Stories it. Stories to ever occur. An epic tale of woe, joy, nutty behaviour. The fact that it's not more well known is just the strangest. Thing. In the world of sports. This is going to get juicy here, isn't it? We should open a window or something. <laughs> sports Bazaar. How many testicles did he have? Eight. I'm <laughs> running naked down a major street in Chicago. <laughs> this, of course, is the last time organised crime and boxing have crossed over. Got up in a press conference. We're here to announce we've swapped our wives. What is going on? It's time for the leaders of the hunt. Got household names for me. It's surely a red flag. It's Titus O'Reilly. And Mick Malloy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Sports Bazaar with me, Mick Malloy, and of course, bringing it to the table as always, Titus O'Reilly. What do you got for me this week? Well, this is one of my favourite characters in sport of all time. Okay, it's a guy by the name of Doc Ellis, who's a baseballer. Right, playing a lot in the seventies and a really good baseballer. Who did he play for? We played mainly for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yep. But then he got moved around towards the end of his career and played the New York Yankees, Oakland Athletics, Texas Rangers, and the Mets. So he moved around a bit. Is that, that unusual? For, Not in, ba- uh, in baseball, they move constantly. Well, you, you told me of, of someone who got moved at halftime to the other <laughs> side. Right. And, the, and he played under George Steinbrenner. We've got to do a George Steinbrenner podcast at some point. People have asked. But um, the interesting thing about Doc Ellis is he describes himself as crazy. Okay. And his nickname was first peanut and later just nut. So he had that component, <laughs> that self-described as crazy. Peanut's not a bad Peanut's not a bad one. He had drug and alcohol issues, which right we'll up. get into. Yep. But he also, at the time, you know, African-Americans had only just really, the colour barrier had only been sure. broken like 20 years before. And in the 70s, not a subtle time for racism. Okay. And he was very outspoken. Yep. So that also got him a lot of anger. But then he also just did insane things that it just will go into, <laughs> which are amazing. Yeah. And then he kind of has this really interesting post-career as well. So where I say complex is you've got to understand there's a whole bunch going into this, some good, some bad, and some just Let bizarre, which we love. So he was a pitcher and a very good pitcher, but very so good. Yeah, like open, would he close? He was so starting he, pitcher. He got to pitch in World Series, won a World Series, pitched at All-Star Games. So we're talking like a very highly right. – well-functioning person. What was his uh, specialty? What, what was he famous for? Well, he's got, had a great fastball and a great curveball. Yeah. So he's born in Los Angeles. Age 15, he attends a place called Gardenia High School. He says at 14 he begins drinking alcohol and using drugs. So very early he's on. off to a flyer yeah, he's off to 14, an absolute yep. flyer. He played basketball. He recorded 21 assists in one game. He was really good. It was mainly white school, so he yep. was the only African-American sure. there. So he, he dominated at basketball, he said. And then he went and they wanted him to play baseball. And so he pitched in a practice and one of the other kids called him a spear chucker. And okay. he went, I'm not playing baseball. Wow. Right, straight away. He was in his 10th grade. He didn't know what it meant, so he actually said – what does spear chucker mean? Yes. And they're saying, well, you know, 
it means he's accusing you of being primitive, you know. Yeah. So he knocked the name caller out. As you would. Which, are, which <laughs> is fair enough. There's not enough of that these days. No. There's not enough consequences for kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he said, I'm not playing. So right, he, he, he played basketball, not baseball. But then one day he's caught drinking and smoking marijuana in the high school bathroom. So the school, and this is in his senior year, I tell you what, instead of expelling you, we'll keep it quiet, but you have to pay baseball for us. They've broken a deal. Yeah, they've broken a yeah, deal. Well done. I love how That's a win-win, I reckon. Everything you read about American high school and college is like, how do we get this deal done? It's like not, <laughs> there's not even a pretense. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah. so even in high school, they're doing deals. So he goes and he appears in four games pitching and he's named to the all-league representative side. He's an absolute superstar. He gets drafted by the Pirates eventually and he goes to their Class A minor league team in Batvia, New York, and he felt, he said, enormous pressure to succeed because he was seen as a fantastic athlete and a lock to be a big success. Yep. So he starts taking alcohol drugs more to sort of numb that feeling. Calm him down. He's also homesick and lonely, so he went to a bar with teammates when he was in New York playing in this minor league team and he was hoping, oh, I hope I can pass as 21 because he was about 19 at the time. I hope I can get in. And the waitress said, you only have to be 19 in New York to thing. And he'd ordered a beer. Bingo. And he was all nervous. And she said, don't worry, you're fine. So he said, well, then take the beer back. I want their drinking at the bar, the green stuff, which turned out to be creme de month, which is 72%. What could go wrong? He then says, and also send over some vodka stingers too. And so it went. Wow. So that was what he was like. Now, you got to remember, this is a time in baseball, the 70s, a more fun time where, you know, the 90s were the steroid era. Yes. This was the drinking and drugs this era. Is more recreational. <laughs> Much more rec- drug taking than, yeah. So, for example, the Pittsburgh manager, Danny Murta, who he ends up playing for later on, when they went on the road, he'd tell the team bus driver when they arrived in the city, like a visiting city, yes. to pretend to get lost driving to the airport or the hotel so that they had less time in bars. (laughs) (laughs) The players are going, why is this bus ride taking so long? But really the manager's gone, get lost on purpose so they're not spending their time just drinking. Brilliant. Um, At team hotels, he'd give baseballs to the elevator operators and say, get autographs from any players that come back after 3 a.m. from nightclubs. (laughs) Um, They're signing their own death warrant. Yeah, and yeah. then I'll know who's been out. That is brilliant. Isn't that clever? So these guys would come over and think it's This just is like childminding, really. It was this like is... the elevator guy was just wanting a ball sign, but really it was him collecting. That <laughs> so, is great. So good. At the same time, they got over, this is the environment he's in. They're all drinking heavily and all this, but African-Americans are just not really accepted. So at one point in a minor league game, fans start chanting the N-word at him right. as he struck out the last batter because he was playing so well. And so he strikes at the last banner and then just turns and gives the middle finger to the whole crowd and yeah, stands sure. there turning around doing it to him. And this at the time is like seen as explosive because a lot of these African-American players, they kept their heads down. And he was not someone who did that. This so, is uh, not too far away from you. An assembled lynch mob, really, yeah, is it? that's right. And so he was always seen as sort of at the time he was judged very harshly by the media and, that, and now retrospectively people look back and go, actually... This guy was he yeah. had the balls to stand up to a lot of negative stuff. His most famous moment, though, he goes to the Pittsburgh Pirates, the full major league team, and joins. And on Friday the 12th of June, 1970, the day before, it's a Thursday, the Pirates fly into San Diego for their first West Coast road trip of the season. 
And so he's in San Diego. He's got to pitch the next day. Yeah. So he thinks, well, I can just make the short trip to LA and catch up with a friend because we don't play till Friday night. Yeah. So it was like Thursday morning. I can get there. Easy peasy. Yeah. So he rents a car. He drops a tab of acid to time it so it would hit right when he arrived at the home of a friend's girlfriend. All right. Yep. (laughs) It's a different time. What time are they playing again? So it's Thursday morning when he does this. (laughs) They're playing Friday night, right? No. Upon arrival at the (laughs) home of his friend's girlfriend, his friend's going to be there too. His friend's girlfriend opens the door and says, what's wrong with you when he arrives? And he says, I'm as high as a Georgia pine. So they catch up and they spend the night, booze, marijuana, everything. One with a lot. Everything. Ellis drifts off to sleep and he wakes up and he thinks he's sort of been asleep for about an hour. So he sort of thinks it's late Thursday night. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. So he drops three more tabs of acid. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Thinking it's still oh, Thursday. I like where this is going. His friend or the girlfriend says that he gives different views. But at some point... After he's dropped these three tabs of acid, his friend enters the room with a newspaper in hand and says, you're playing tonight in a few hours, in about four hours, in a different city. (laughs) What are you doing? And Ellis looks at him and goes, what happened to yesterday? (laughs) Did I miss a meeting? Yeah. So he thinks it's Thursday. He's just lost like about, you know, 12 hours of just gone. And he's just taken three more tabs of acid. You can't play. You've got to ring in. Well, you need to ring the club, <laughs> put, make some excuse. But exactly, don't you think? So he says, I drove to LA, got loaded, tripped on the acid two or three times. I lost today. It's Friday. I'm thinking it's still Thursday. They say, you're pitching today. you got to go. I'd taken acid at 12 o'clock noon on the Friday. And they told me at two, I caught the plane at three and I got to the stadium at 4.30 and the game was at 6.05. So oh that's God. his that's his thing. Now, you ask, did he think of not playing? He said, hell no. I was thinking about how I was going to play. Even when I got there, I took greenies, which are decimal, which is, these are all amphetamines, and some bennies, which is benzedrine. So these are all speed and uppers. <laughs> yeah, sure. And he says he just took them not because he'd taken acid because that was just his routine before every match. Anyway. Anyway. And he said, I just thought it was natural to take the stuff. He said, I'd actually forgotten at this point I'd taken the acid. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, so I was way out there. So you can imagine how well this is going. There are certain sporting events you wish you were at. Oh, had, or had been there live and this is shaping up as one. Yeah, this is anyone the- who was there that day. Yeah. So he starts the game. And he says, I can only remember bits and pieces of the game. He said, I was psyched, <laughs> which it would be, right? He, sure. Uh, he said, I had a feeling of euphoria. I was zeroed in on the catcher's glove, but I didn't hit the glove too much. I remember hitting a couple of batters. <laughs> control was slightly off. And the bases were loaded two or three times, meaning he's getting in trouble. Yes. But every time he got out of the trouble. He said the ball was small sometimes and the ball was large sometimes. Sometimes I saw the catcher, sometimes I didn't. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, despite all this, he's actually pitching really well. He's going all right. Like no one's getting a hit off him. He's hit a few batters and walked a few <laughs> batters. So there's some are getting on base, yeah. but then he's getting the next lot out. And I think yep. it's like he's unpredictable. His control's a bit off, 
but he's doing really well. He doesn't know where it's going. How can the batter yeah, I know where it's going? It's kind of advantage him. <laughs> so he said, sometimes I tried to stare the hitter down and throw while I was looking at him. I chewed my gum until it turned to powder. They say I had about three to four fielding chances. I remember diving out of the way of a ball I thought was a line drive, meaning being hit right at him. He jumped out of the way, but the ball wasn't hit hard and just rolled along the ground slowly. <laughs> so people just watching this bitch get a little boy near him and just dives like a, like a gun's being fired at him. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, now we think something's up. So as he's going along, it's becoming more and more amazing because he's not giving up any hits. And so in baseball, pitchers dream of pitching a no-hitter. Shut up. So that's where no one gets a hit. So you got the perfect game, which is no one makes it on base at all. At all. No walks, no hit batters, no hits. So that means no one got wow. on base the whole game. There's only been 23 perfect games in the history of baseball. Yeah. So that barely happens. No hitters are just over 300. So that's how rare because there's 162 yeah. games in a season for baseball sides. Gotcha. So to only have 300 no hitters since 1876 is huge. Amazing, right? He's suddenly not going to get a perfect game because he's hit pitchers and he's walked batters. <laughs> but he's looking like getting a no-hitter, one of the rarest yeah. things you can do. Behind him, his fielders are pulling off some of the most amazing fielding plays apparently ever, ever yes. done. So he's lucky as well. But it keeps going. A few of them, they start saying early on, oh, you're on a no-hitter. It becomes a rule that later in the game, if you're on a perfect or no-hitter, your teammates stop talking to you. You don't they mention don't it. Don't mention yeah. it. But early on, one of them says you might. He's so zoned out of it, he doesn't even know what the guy's talking about, right? Yeah. He's so high that he's not aware that he's going so well, and he said that's because he was battling his own troubles. <laughs> he's got his hands full. <laughs> he said, I started having a crazy idea in the fourth inning that Richard Nixon was the home plate umpire. <laughs> And apart from that, there's a polar bear on the third base. <laughs> Richard Nixon was the... He started to think Richard Nixon's the umpire. Oh, this is gold. Hey, wouldn't that be the best, though? <laughs> what a great day. It's a great day. And then he says, I once thought I was pitching a baseball to Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> who to me was holding a guitar and swinging it over the plate. Oh, wow. So good. Jimi Hendrix is now involved. <laughs> yeah, when Jimmy, you got Jimi Hendrix up against him because he's a good hitter yeah. and then you've got Richard Nixon calling strikes. <laughs> That's a lot to deal with. No Just, wonder he was. Gee, Jimi Hendrix pointing to the stands <laughs> with a strat. I can't see Jimi Hendrix and Richard Nixon getting along. No. I can see them arguing strikes. <laughs> Someone's going to get chucked out <laughs> of the game. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix yelling at Richard Nixon, you're a crook. I'm not a crook. Um, <laughs> but despite all this, he managed to pitch all nine innings. And when it's over, he'd done it. He'd pitched a no-hitter. Unbelievable. And the Pirates won, beat the Padres. Do they put an asterisk next to that or does that get his own? Is there a statue of either him or Jimi Hendrix out in front of that ground to acknowledge the occasion <laughs> well, on that never, day? This is the thing. Major League Baseball, no one really – so few people say, I don't believe this story is true because it took about 14 years for him to come out and admit it. Admit there were it. always rumours. While others say, no, I think it could have totally been true. But he swears it was. The thing that makes me wonder if it's true is to this day, Major League Baseball has only released snippets of the game. They've never released the whole game. Release the footage. I know, because I just, that's There's what you want to watch, footage. Right? I demand to see it. So it's sort of this thing of people say, and it's great, all great conspiracies, there's got to be some missing 
kind of evidence or think, oh, come on. Yeah, I know. Um, he recorded eight walks. He had only six strikeouts. He hit a couple of batsmen. He allowed three stolen bases because I think he wasn't paying, was paying attention. Paying much attention. <laughs> Looking at the seagulls or something. <laughs> yeah. So he says, no one really noticed because he said, I was a loner. My involvement with drugs was not with team members. So I didn't get high with no one. They didn't have to know about what I was doing. I was just to them like a crazy guy. Yeah. In everyone's mind, he was just a crazy guy. So if you see this behavior all the time, it just becomes natural, he says. So he says, there's a few people that say, oh, I don't think you did it. He goes, that's because I was always on drugs. So you just didn't, <laughs> I just wasn't on LSD, right? Yeah. He said he never again took LSD during the season, but he said he never ever pitched a game in the major leagues that he wasn't high. He said he once tried to pitch a game free of drugs and he said, I couldn't pitch without the pills. I was warming up in the bullpen and I couldn't even wind up properly as if I'd forgotten the motion. So he ran to the clubhouse, pulled some pills out of his pocket and swallowed them with hot coffee, trying to make them dissolve faster than normal. And he says <laughs> in the process he burned his mouth. Jesus. So that's what he was Fantastic. sort of doing. What a character. So that's his famous story that everyone who has any vague knowledge of baseball sort of have heard of this legendary, this. there's a documentary about it, it's this big thing about you know, him being on LSD, pitching this yeah. no-hitter, which is amazing itself. This was not the end for Ellis, though. This In any <laughs> other person's career, that would be like, well, that's pretty good. But it wasn't even the same. So yeah. he then became known as sort of a problematic player, even before this. One, because he was outspoken about a lot of issues. So he spoke out about free agency, which was in its infancy. It yes. wasn't even allowed back then. He spoke out about African-American rights and things like this. So he was sort of seen as uppity. Was he popular, which was not uncommon for a, a black man at yeah. that time, but was he popular with his teammates at least? Some really loved him, yeah. He was he was more popular with his teammates, but they found him odd. Yes. So, for instance, he complained about the size of beds at night um, motels they stayed at. And one night in San Francisco, in the middle of the night, he just changed hotels in the middle of the night without telling, telling anyone. anyone. So they wake up the next morning, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone to another one. He he's got a whiff of LSD about it again, I reckon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in 1971, a Pittsburgh newspaper ran the headline, and this gives you an example of what the public thought of him. Ellis, probably the most unpopular buck of all time. Buck meaning buccaneer, buccaneer in yeah. Pittsburgh Pirates. So at the time, deeply unpopular. Yes. Seen as a loud mouth, a pain, all this, right? Yep. Racism mixed in with he did weird stuff as well. So, yeah, you, you had these incredibly complex... Racism mixed in with his open defiance. Uh, well, oh, 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 and on oh, top oh. of that, weird behaviour yeah. too. So you had Fish. you had things upon things upon things. You can't yeah. take the racism out and you can't take some yeah. of the other. Even he admits sometimes he did stuff and it was like, you know... <laughs> even by my own standards, even, yeah, so, I've dropped the ball. So even if you'd taken all the racism out, he he'd have still, still been, a, been a, a strange cat. Yeah, gotcha. But then you add in all the rest and it becomes more like yeah. he's a bit hated and stuff like that as well. Um, he arrives at the stadium at one point later in, uh, I think this was 1972. He shows up at their stadium and there's a new security guard on the door and says, where's your identification? He's with another guy called Willie Stargirl and uh, Ronnie Stennett, all players. And... Ellis says, well, I don't have ID on me, but flashes his championship World Series Cup ring <laughs> at him. Yes. But then apparently he starts using a lot of vile language at the guy and yelling at him. So the guy pulls his gun on him and then ends up spraying him with mace. Jesus. And charges Christ. him with disorderly uh, conduct. 
Okay. Ellis is screaming and, and carrying on. The Cincinnati Reds, were, they, who were they playing, charge him with assault. Ellis sues them in response. <laughs> the Reds drop all the charges and actually end up writing him a letter of apology. So there was elements in this as was this a racist incident, like white guard, black player. Well, you got to say a players. bit of yes, probably. Well, Al Oliver, who's one of his teammates, thought it was more that Doc just went nuts. <laughs> so you get these mixed. So with every story, Doc Ellis, yeah. there's always like someone will say that like it's this but it's that, you know, yeah. so it's all this. But at the time you got to remember he's living in this environment where it wasn't like subtle. At one game people were holding up signs against him saying you were brought up in a tar paper shack, okay. a new black son of a bitch. And these were signs people actually holding. That they've made. They've, was, they've gone into a bit of trouble yeah, to get their ca- point across. This was not casual racing. This was overt. Yeah. You know, if someone goes to – in any world – on any issue, if someone goes to trouble making a sign, yeah, you applying know, paint to paper, you, you know that that's and pre- taking it to the ground, <laughs> it's premeditated. <laughs> you sort of thing, you know, because yeah. he was speaking out of it, he copped it the most, right? But then he one day he wakes up and gets this letter, and it says, "I read your comments in the paper the last few days, and wanted you to know how much I appreciate your courage and honesty. I'm sure you know some of the possible consequences. The news media will use every means to get back at you." Honours that should be yours will bypass you and the pressures will be great. There'll be times that you ask yourself if it's all worth it. All I can say, Doc, is it is. And it was signed, sincerely, Jackie Robinson, who's the there you go. guy who broke the colour yeah. barrier. So yeah. he had even at the time this amazing support yeah. coming through. That he was a significant figure in, figure in politics. Yeah. So, you know, and I just bring this up because there's he did so many funny things that you can kind of lose that there's I get a serious it. guy there as well. Then in 1973, a photo goes out on the wires showing Ellis in the bullpen wearing curlers in his hair. And this was... <laughs> L-S-D. So, so three well, three letters. curlers too. Oh, so, so In the bullpen? <laughs> yeah. So the commissioner what? of baseball's furious about this and he writes and complains. It's like Dennis Rodman style it, antics, There's elements of it? all of this. This gets to the point where the head of baseball complains about this and says to Murtar, the manager, you got to get him to, to stop doing this. This is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And starts yelling, Bob Robertson, who's the third baseman, he's standing on the top start of the dugout and Danny Murtar, the manager, comes up and says, go out to the bullpen and tell Ellis to get those curlers out of his hair. <laughs> There's a conversation I bet he never <laughs> thought he would have to have. So Robertson, yeah, but like, I just want to play baseball. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently they're all annoyed because all the players were hung over that day and it was right. delaying the start of the game. So they actually got annoyed with him because they're just like, mate, we're hung we just over. Get Can we just get the game done, yeah. right? So he says, I go walking out to Doc. I almost got there. He said, I know why you are here, big guy. I said, you do? He said, I'll bet you Murta said something about my curlers. I said, Doc, look, the only reason I'm coming out here is because Murta told me to come out here and tell you about your curlers. He said, I understand and took them out. So he said he could be reasonable. Now, at the time, Ellis comes out and says this was racism, that the commissioner had just come out and right. a lot of black men use curlers to fix their hair, he says. But then in his book, the main book on it, Ellis admits he wore curlers to produce beads of sweat on his hair, which he used to throw spitballs. Which is <laughs> So with him, you say everything he says, so you just you don't go. know. You're always on shifting stand. My next favourite thing, and this is, just shows you what a unique guy is, in yeah. 1974, Ellis comes up with a plan to intimidate the Cincinnati Reds. Now, the Cincinnati Reds 
at the time in the 70s, they were the best team in baseball. Gotcha. They were called the Big Red Machine and they're considered probably, some people would argue, the best team in the history of baseball. And so it's not easy to intimidate them, right? They won the National League Championship in 70, 72, 75 and 76 and won the World Series in 75 and 76. So this is in 1974. That's a pretty good team. Domination made Doc Ellis angry, <laughs> but not at the Reds, at his teammates. Okay. He thought his teammates... He's turned on them. ...were intimidated by them. And he was the sort of guy that didn't get intimidated. He lost a bit of respect for his teammates. Yes, he thought they've got a... What are you doing, boys? Yeah, so he thought they were in awe of them too much and scared of them and they didn't believe they could win. And so when they meet on 1 May 1974, Ellis is going to start the game and he decided the best thing to do is reverse the situation and to intimidate the Reds and show that, that there's nothing to be scared of here, right? That yep. there's nothing to do. So his plans were like quite elegantly simple. When the Cincinnati batters come up to bat, he decided he would hit every single one of them <laughs> with a pitch. Who's laughing now? Yeah. So um, that was his plan, right? I'm not. Yeah. I'm not gonna like Welcome even aboard. try and. Whack. I'm not gonna try and throw a strike. All I'm gonna do is try and hit you. Which but like no constantly, one or did you just give con- each? No, constantly. That was it. That was his only plan. Hit them. <laughs> Which has never been tried before or done since because the problem is... So he's walked every base. In baseball, if you get hit by a pitch, you get to walk for free to first base, right? So this is not a strategy to win. (laughs) How long before he was taken out of the game? Well, fastballs travel about 155 kilometres now, so it's not... It's not a barrel of laughs. No, it's not a barrel of laughs. And usually it's done if you're feuding with someone. Correct. You know, and then you don't do it unless you have to because there's an unwritten rule in baseball if... Their pitcher hits one of your players. If it's seen as an accident, they kind of leave it. But if it happens a few times or they think you've really knocked someone out on purpose. They empty the dugouts. Well, they either empty the dugouts or their pitcher will, will get a square will up. So the batters all know, God, if you hit their guys, they're going to come at us. And it's not the pitcher getting hit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, the pitchers. Calm it down, dog. When the, when the pitchers don't bat, when there's a designated Hitter, they sort of go, it's a bit all care, no responsibility for oh the pitcher, God. right? So It's generally assumed that when a pitcher hits a batter, yeah. it's deliberate. Is that? No, occasionally you'll see a pitcher who's just obviously lost their control. And so they often, you know, you'll see a few pitchers go overhead to the catcher and, and you can sell. Other times the situation just shows that it was just a straight. He's just chucked one just right at your score. or like, like they've just had a home run hit, so the next guy up they hit. That Pop tends, that. So the situation often tells the other team, this was intentional. You can sort of tell sometimes too. Sometimes, like if it's a slow curveball and it hits the pitcher, you go, he lost control. Because if you're really going to hit someone, you're going to throw a fastball, right? <laughs> so that's the way it happens. So so Ellis decided he's going to do all this right. Yeah. Um, what happens is such a weird idea, that, but even before the game started, it's sort of none of his teammates knew he was going to do this plan either. Right. right. The Reds legendary had a legendary hitter called Pete Rose, who is someone we have to do as he got in a lot of trouble for betting on games and stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, it's arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, baseballer of all time. Like yep. A hitting machine. And Pete Rose is standing near the batter's box and he's leaning on his bat and he's studying Ellis doing his warm-up pitches, right? So the game hasn't started. <laughs> Ellis is actually considered before the game not hitting Rose because they were actually friends. So Pete uh, Rose is kind of an out-there character too. So yeah. they actually got along quite well. And he also thought the problem was he thought if I hit Pete Rose, I just know Pete, he won't show any pain because he's tough. No. And that will sort of make this display of not intimidating 
this Put, will look, not look like yeah. I'm actually intimidating them. It could unravel my whole plan. So he, he sort of weighs <laughs> this all up. His plan is not that complex. Yeah, I so have to say. yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> anyway, Alice decides to throw at him anyway, despite this only being the warm up, <laughs> and he just misses. And Rose looks at him bemused, like it's not. This is warm up. I'm yes. watching you warm up. I'm not even in the batter's box and you're just thrown at me. <laughs> so the signs are there. This is going yeah. to be an interesting day. So the game starts and Cincinnati first at bat. Rose is the first batter and Ellis throws the first pitch which flew just over Rose's head. <laughs> so he's gone for it, right? She's got he, his he, full he, attention he at missed. this stage. Yeah. Yeah. The second goes behind his back. Which is really missing nowhere. So he's nowhere. The first two pitches go nowhere near. Um, <laughs> the third pitch hits Rose in the side. But as expected, the ball falls on the ground. Rose looks at it, picks it up slowly, gently tosses it back to Ellis like really <laughs> casually and then sprints down to first like nothing's, like happened. nothing's happened. So Rose is like, I get what you're trying to do. I don't care. Yeah. So there he is. He's on first. So Rose is now on first base. Red second baseman Joe Morgan, he's a legendary player. He steps in the batter's box. Ellis hits him in the first pitch right in the kidneys. <laughs> so Joe what Morgan, is going on? So Joe Morgan's now at first base yeah. and Rose is on second and the Reds haven't even had a hit yet. It's just at the end. If only he was wearing his curlers. I just <laughs> wish he was wearing his curlers. <laughs> Can we get some LSD out yeah, to Yes, stat. So the Reds have a, a runner on first and second. No one's even had it. No outs. No one's even got a hit yet. All of a sudden, Ellis's teammates cotton on to what What's he's going doing. on? They're suddenly going, they remember that Ellis had voiced such a plan to them before the season started in preseason, but they just assumed that this was Ellis being Ellis because he's a weird guy and he's yeah. just talking nonsense. But Ellis <laughs> said, <laughs> Ellis said, they called our team dumb. And he said, I actually told Kurt Bevica in spring training, a teammate, that I would drill all of them. And he said, I bet you'll fill at stake on it. <laughs> And so suddenly they're remembering, I bet him a Phillips day that he wouldn't do this. And now, but this is like this six months on. earlier. Yeah, now yeah. he's doing it. So they suddenly like all wear up. So with the, they're watching on horrified uh, as the third batter, Dan Dryzens, walks up the next target. It took Ellis two pitches to hit him, but suddenly he does. And the bases are loaded. <laughs> the bases are <laughs> and loaded. No one's out and no one's at a hit. So he just hit the first three. The umpire doesn't eject him. In the modern day, he would be and gone. He'd be gone. The umpire would. Well, the manager would probably have pulled him, yeah, but really, yeah, yeah. the umpire would have gone. Right, you've hit three people intentionally. You're out. This is the seventies. A lot of racism. A lot of not caring about people being physically assaulted. No. Like they just didn't care about much. You I know, it was it. a different time. But neither did Danny Murtagh, his manager, decide to pull him. No one's pulling him. So they just let the this, umpires let him in the man <laughs> throwing hand grenades. <laughs> both teams. Cincinnati Reds. Both teams are fully gotten on now, and both benches are on their feet. They're all standing, no one's sitting. Tony Perez is the next batter up for the Reds. He doesn't even try to bat. He just tries to dodge Ellis's <laughs> pitches. Not even carrying yeah. a bat. So, yeah, it was like dodgeball instead of baseball. All four pitches are thrown at him. He dodges all four <laughs> that are all outside and he draws another walk, which drives it a run. Yeah, they're on the board. So they're on the board. So already. This is the problem with his plan. <laughs> Eventually, he can't. <laughs> It's it can't a win. Pyrrhic victory. Yeah. Right? Like 
He might be intimidating him, but they're winning. But they are not even trying to bat now. It's just, it's literally dodgeball. Yeah. The run crosses the base. They're one. Ellis is indifferent. Usually, like, pitchers are like furious if he yeah. runs good. Ellis doesn't even respond to the thing. He's so just like. The price of the plan, really. <laughs> yeah. The next hitter, uh, Ellis, I'll let Ellis describe this one. The next hitter was Johnny Bench. I tried to deck him twice. I threw at his jaw and he moved. I threw at the back of his head and he moved. <laughs> at this point, Murtar, his manager, comes out to the mound and says, Doc, it looks like you don't have your good stuff tonight. <laughs> Talking about LSD again, I'm guessing. In the most understated. Like he knew what he was oh, doing, but he pretended he didn't know you. And he just says, Al Oliver, his teammate had to turn his head because he didn't want to start laughing. He goes, that was Murtar's humour, just this, like, his yeah. pitches just <laughs> tried to kill four guys. And he just comes and goes, doesn't seem like you got your good stuff. Nah. We might have to pull you out. In 11 hit pitches, so this is over, the Reds going to win 5-3, but in 11 pitches, Ellis had hit three batters and attempted to do another two. And his punishment from the league, nothing. <laughs> it's just... Just move on to the next day. He'd be a popular figure in Cincinnati, I oh. imagine. 1975, next year, Ellis loved doing imitations in the clubhouse of other players and umpires and everything, but he loved doing Muhammad Ali. One day in 1975, Muhammad Ali wanders into the Pirates clubhouse <laughs> and Ellis shows off his quick feet and does the impression. Yes. And Ali and him start chatting and laughing and they get along okay because Ali's been quite outspoken on a lot of these issues. Absolutely. And Ellis started to call himself the Muhammad Ali of baseball. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, okay. they start pretend fighting. Ellis kind of goes in a few times. So Muhammad Ali hits him twice in the chest and he goes down like a ton of bricks. <laughs> then in 1975, a bit like, just after that, uh, he refuses a bullpen assignment, which is when you come out is a relief pitcher. Yep. So you don't start the game, yep. but you start in the bullpen, you come out and release. And August 15th, 1975, he's suspended by the Pirates for a day for refusing to go to the bullpen. So the next day, he calls a team meeting. So they've said, you're not starting, you're going to play out of the bullpen. He refuses. They suspend him a day. So yes. the next day he says, team meeting, I'm going to come in. Everyone's right, right he's coming in to apologise. <laughs> instead, he comes Is he in. He, instead, he comes in and berates Murtar, the manager, in front of everyone saying he's lost all respect. He went on for a while criticising the management. Then finally Murtar gets up fuming and start, tries to fight him. <laughs> and Ellis refuses. Oh, I love it. Apparently a teammate, Don Leopard, started to take a punch at Ellis but was restrained. Fantastic. So it just got nuts. They're, pun they're punchy baseball, isn't it? I, I believe the best fights in sport yeah. are, well, baseball and ice hockey. Oh, yeah. To me, they just uh, hand shoulders above any other Well, sport. baseball's – see, it's funny it's, because it's, – It's part of the custom. And like ice hockey, they've never taken it out because they see it as if you're likely to get decked by someone, you actually don't be as violent yes. because there's a consequence. And baseball's the same where you've got this throwing pictures at people. They really yeah. – but their teammates often <laughs> – Often get in it too. He's given a 30-day suspension from the Pirates for insubordination, but he's reinstated long before that's over um, after apologising, but then he's traded to the Yankees. So, problem solved. Problem solved. Brave from the Yankees because they would know buyer beware. You know they're I know. buying a whole box of Yeah, you probably, they, yeah, they yeah. knew that, right? He goes to New York 
on the cheap because the Pittsburgh, by this point, he's starting to decline a bit yes. and he's been problematic. They move him on. Yankees don't love him. He starts to play okay, but he says he wants more money. He says, the Yankees got me in a fire sale and now they don't want to give me any money. Um, he had words of advice for Yankees order George Steinbrenner. <laughs> we we've go. mentioned before. I think he just stay up in his office, push his buttons, count his money, and stay out of the locker room. That does not go down well. I wouldn't have thought so. He gets traded almost immediately to the <laughs> Oakland A's. In 1977, while at the Oakland A's, he does one of the weirdest things, um, which he ranks as sort of probably his number one. Good they Lord. They said that they wanted him to keep charts. So baseball pitchers will often mark down what each pitch is, what the result is. Like, gotcha. did you throw a curveball? Did you throw a yep. fastball? While you're watching the game. So not when you're pitching, but while you're watching. And then you study the charts to see, you know, what batters do, all this sort of stuff. Gotcha. He said, they wanted me to keep charts. I said, bleep these charts, and I set them on fire. <laughs> <laughs> the problem was he was in the clubhouse in Cleveland, and the alarm goes off in this. <laughs> The clubhouse catches on fire. <laughs> is there a game in progress? <laughs> no, this is before the game and the automatic sprinklers start and is the one oh, thing that stopped man. the stadium from basically burning down. I think he's made his point. So at this point, he kind of that's kind of the end of his career really. At this point, he's bounced around. He's done all of this. He sort of struggles for a while. He doesn't really know what to do, but the Yankees actually hire him. He figures out, I've got this enormous problem with alcohol and drugs, and yes. he actually gets off them. Basically, Yankees get him to come and talk to minor league players about turning their lives around, which yep. he has done. He does that. He starts to work within baseball, helping a whole bunch of people. He helps a guy called Brad Corbett, who's the owner of the Texas Rangers, who he pitched for for two seasons, get sober himself. He'd had an, a drug and alcohol. He gets that. Yes. He then starts to go into prisons and get people off alcohol and drugs. Yep. And they would listen to him because he was this He's star not, athlete. Not dissimilar. <laughs> but he'd done it all and they also had heard all these antics, right? So yeah. he instantly, he's like the greatest drug counsellor because everyone's like, I want to listen to what you're saying. Yeah, I'll, I'll believe it coming And then he does you. it. So he does this for absolute years. They say this is when he actually really found his calling, right? right. Like he settles down and does all of this. One guy who was one of the prisoners, uh, a guy called John Shandy, is a recovering addict who Ellis found while incarcerated he said if i'd never met doc i would probably be dead or doing life in prison there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that dude changed my life he changed my world so you look back at this guy you've got a guy who's like done all of this yep. he actually goes and testifies to the united states subcommittee on public health and various other issues as well finally dies in december 19 2008 i mean los angeles due to a liver alignment which is not surprising given all he's had it's, it's had a fair run it's had a fair run but finishes his life this like amazing drug and alcohol he's recanted at the end and then the whole story starts to flip as people look back and go god this guy was talking out about issues free agency racism drugs in sport all this stuff yes all the way back and so it sort of flips. He was but ahead of the, his time. Yeah. But at the same time, you've got... Even Curlis talking to Jimi Hendrix. You've got Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> you've got throwing every single... It's his way of dealing with it. I can't imagine what it would be like, as you described, yeah. to be a pioneer of sorts in a white-dominated game in grounds full of white people. Yeah. Well, you're probably going de to deal with that, choose a way to... Well, and he said it was also just natural pressure of the sport and all the... And also... They were all drunk. I mean, this yeah, was, this was, was an era where he, he says himself he was always an out there thinker, though. Like yeah. he do, he doesn't himself say it was just all because of racism or all because of 
the pressure of baseball. He goes, I was a yeah. weird cat yeah. as well. But he just had this, <laughs> he's known for the LSD game, but the throwing at the Cincinnati batters is it's almost crazier. Well, yes. It's next level. I, I Again, I wish I'd been there that day. So <laughs> just to see the crowd when they realise what the yeah. intention is. I know. When everyone suddenly, there would have been that beautiful moment where it went from, oh, uh, okay. this isn't going well too. <laughs> this is really happening. He's trying <laughs> to you out. Get out. And I just love how no one throws him out. No one like, throws it's him just out. A diff- it's a, such a look back in time where sport, was just I miss that era of sport. I miss when there was room for big characters. Whereas now yeah. that would have been whittled out of the game well before it got to a major league. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he, he would never have survived played, yeah. any system today. No. It's it's interesting though, because you kind of on one side you go, Oh, I get why they cleaned up the game and because the toll on these individuals was often terrible as well. Yes. But on the flip side, for just pure spectacle and entertainment, entertainment and just anything could happen. Yeah, steroids, no. That's you you're trying to cheat. You're trying to get advantage through drugs. Curlers in the dugout. <laughs> how's that hurting anybody? How is it giving advantage? Well, oh, I suppose if it's the sweat and the He's got one of the funniest careers, one of the best careers in how good he was, but that it's just such a the story's always just told about the LSD, LSD, which is an amazing story. But I just want to get across a bit too of just it was crazier than even it just was that. crazier. His than that. whole life is this bonkers story of this guy who <laughs> really lived a life, and then came out at the end like a really interesting guy whose legacy is completely different to what it was when he played, which yes. was he just hated. Uh, now there's like a Doc Ellis <laughs> that's bar. Not, that's not a strange this. story, though, is it? Like there's well, a lot of significant Muhammad Ali. He's and, hated and you by, go yeah. at the time, it's seen as uppity. Is that the word? Well, uh, that's what they used to say. They were, you know, they, yeah. and still you get that right. Like you get that all the time. Like it's, you yeah. know, on, on you know these issues, people speak out at the time, and then they look back with fondness. You go, and you go, you were actually standing for something. Yeah, you, you, you know. So, <laughs> albeit in a fairly colourful manner. <laughs> that's the thing, though, because even when you read him, though, like. You, you tried to go down that path of, you know, he was this man of principle, but then even he says, no, I wasn't really because I did that because I was being silly. No, I was so just chucking so balls at their heads, yeah, really. So, yeah, exactly. So whichever way you think it's going with, the more you read a Doc Ellis, whichever way you think it's going, it's like Inception. There's another yeah, layer upon a layer upon a layer. And that's why I just think whatever you – you can't land on a true view of him, but whatever you think, He's the, one of the most interesting people of all So you time. know what I'm going to do immediately after this interview now, <laughs> don't you? I'm going to go and find two pieces of footage. Firstly, I want to see the game where he attempts to knock out every, well, there are, every batter. Well, there is snippets of that game on that. YouTube. So if you Google that, you'll find it. I Doco. will. And as for the LSD game... Yeah, what exists? That's what there's snippets of that in a doco. Sorry, that's the LSD one. Oh, the LSD one. And, and what then about the, the hit one? There's ones you can find bits of it, but it was not filmed back then like it is now. So you don't have as much. There's great photos of his life too, which we'll put some through all the YouTube and everything video and you know. But just an amazing character. It just yeah. they yeah. should make. I like baseball films, and yeah. they should make one on him. Paul Durham, one of my favorite yeah, yeah. films of, of all time, but. I just, this could be blown out of the water. Yeah, yeah. With a biopic. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just know straight away oh, it's a movie no. that the LSD scene 
No. The setting fire in the and the and throwing a pitch at everyone. There's three classic scenes. You're always going to watch. There's your trailer. <laughs> There's your trailer right there. <laughs> Titus O'Reilly, you've done it again. Thank you very much, mate. Bizarre Plus is our members program that gives you extra content every single week. If you're interested, just follow the link in the show notes. Cheers.